Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Jesus said in John 15, he said that I'm the vine and you are the branches. You have to think about branches this morning and, and branches, I, I cycle uh, a little bit. I'm not like into ultra cycling and 100K rides or anything like that. Maybe, you know, 30 or something if I'm on a good day. Uh, but branches are anathema to a cyclist. Like they're one of the most dangerous things. The other thing is car doors opening, you know, when people are parked along, along the road. It's like, it's a terror. This morning we uh, were driving here and some of the cyclists, bless their hearts, they like to ride like not single file, but they'll do pairs or three or four abreast and everybody hates that, including me, even though I cycle a bit. It's like, come on, guys, you're giving us a bad rap. Like, Get one behind the other and quit drifting out of the of the uh, the green cyclist lane out into traffic. Like I don't want to hit you, and you can't because you're at fault regardless. Uh, but you know, one of the one of the worst things for a cyclist is branches. And <laughs> if you're cycling along and you don't know it, and the council hasn't cut back the trees or whatever, you know, a branch hits you, it's devastating. It's going to knock you off your bike. And when I think about we are the branches, I think, well, we're not those kind of branches that are going to be hurting people. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He didn't say, you're killer branches. I I put you there to smack people in the face as they're cycling through life, so to speak. No, he wants us to be branches that, that have love and lots of beautiful fruit on the vine, but we're not hitting people. We're not obstructions. We're not something that people go, oh, you know, those Christians again. Here comes another branch that's going to hit me in the head. No, uh, we are incredible, and we're incredible because we love people. Now, when I think about branches as well, and I'm not preaching on branches this morning, but it's my intro, uh, I think some branches are so high up because ultimately it says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, he says, you will bear much fruit. But if the fruit's so high that nobody can pick it, then we've lost something as well. We need to be in that zone where we're not hitting people in the head, but we're not high and lofty and and so out of touch with society that we're high and lifted up instead of God high and lifted up. No, God wants himself to be high and lifted up so that people will look up. But when they look up and they see your life as a branch, what are they going to eat off of, of your life? That's the fruit of the Spirit. Now, we're, uh, again, we're on a series. It's number four today on the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to look at the first fruit that's mentioned, which is the foundation fruit of all the other nine fruit that's mentioned in Galatians chapter 5, and that is love. So I want to uh, read to you just the very beginning uh, of, of Galatians 5, verse 22a, 22a, not even the whole verse. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit. Notice that this is the fruit of big S, the capital uh, S. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and it's the fruit that uh, results on you, the branch in your life, through remaining in him and he in you. The foundation of all fruit of the Spirit, all the other ones mentioned, 
is love. Now this love is incredible because it's the Greek word agape. And uh, if you've been a Christian for a while, you know agape is the God kind of love. It's, it's that love that only comes from God. It's that love that is unconquerable. It is that love that is undefeatable. It, it is that love that uh, doesn't seek itself. It's that love that always seeks the good of others, the highest good of others, no matter, and this is where we're going to go today, no matter what their behavior. There is no bigger word in the whole universe than love. And I'll tell you why, because the Bible says God is love. And for there to be a bigger word in the universe than love, there would have to be a bigger person in the universe than God. And there isn't. God is Love, no bigger word. In fact, the, 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 the three biggest words, I believe, in all of Scripture are these three words. God is love. Doesn't get any bigger than that. And how large is love? Well, how large is God? How, how large should the fruit of our life be called love? Well, the, the answer to that is, well, how big is God? You see, there's no limit on love. For there to be a larger word than love, there'd have to be a larger person. For there to be large fruit, we have to let God reign in our life. Now, love is too big to define because God is too big to define. And there's only one person that can limit love in your life. And you guessed it, it is you. There's only one person that can stop love in its tracks, and that's you. The only limits we put uh, on love are the, uh, the limits we put in our life. So how do we love without limits is the question I want to pose this morning. And if you're taking notes, the first, uh, my, my point, first one, is let God enlarge your heart. You can't put big into small. You can't, you can't put something really big into small containers. You can't put love, big love, the God kind of love, the extravagant kind of love into a small heart. We have to say, God, enlarge the boundaries of my heart. Expand my capacity to love because large doesn't fit into small. And his love is so big and it doesn't fail. His love can do anything. We know that. There's so many scriptures on that. That God can do anything, therefore love can do anything. We know that nothing can separate us from the love of God. But I want, to go with, uh, I want you to go with me over to Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. And Paul writes this, he says, And hope does not put us to shame. In other words, it's not going to let you down. You can have hope in this. Why? Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The fruit is called the fruit of the Spirit. And God's love is poured out through the Holy Spirit, but it's poured out into our hearts. Therefore, our hearts must be pliable and our hearts must be able to expand and our hearts must grow larger in our love toward God and our love towards people. And, and when that happens, then God pours more in. 
because God's poured out his love in my heart, I can now love large. I can love without limits. I see people and they ration out, almost rashing or doling out love as if it was in scarce commodity, as if it was in scarce supply. And I think, why, why are you so limiting when, when it comes to love? Why, why aren't we just pouring out in, in an unmeasured society, which is a, which is a great a great question. Romans 5 again, and I'm going to read out of the living, uh, uh, sorry, the Passion Translation. Romans 5, we'll read 5 to 8. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. Sometimes it seems like, ah, you know, is this a fantasy or is this reality? It's not a disappointing fantasy because fantasies disappoint because we can now experience, listen to this, the endless love of God cascading. I love that. I've been to Niagara Falls. I've seen other waterfalls. And you go there and you just go, my goodness, you know, it's the water of a river which used to flow past my house uh, on the island of Seal, the Detroit River. It flows all the way past and it goes over that big cliff called Niagara Falls. And you see that the power of that river flowing over and it, and it certainly, for me anyway, it gives me a picture of the love of God. Not just a pouring out of a, a little container or a little picture, but the Passion Translation says, the endless love of God cascading, where? Into our hearts, through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So you think about a raging river... <laughs> Cascaded into a small heart, some, something in there, that picture doesn't quite make sense. We have to expand our capacity to love. We have to, to see God's limitless love poured out into our lives. We have to say, God, expand my heart. For when the time was right, he goes on, the anointed one came and died. Why? To demonstrate his love for sinners. <laughs> I love that who were entirely helpless, weak, powerless to save themselves. Now, would anyone dare for the sake of a wicked person? I doubt it. We can all understand if someone was willing to die for a truly noble person, and here's the love of God that's poured, cascaded into your heart, but Christ proved God's passionate love. He proved it. He proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place when? While we were still lost and ungodly. You know, it's very easy to turn on the news, look at the media, all the bad reports, the attack on the church, the criticism that people like us that, are, that have a faith constantly get from pretty well every source. It's, it's easy to look at the ungodliness in society, and it's pretty well easy to write these people off and to become haters of every one of them. That's, that's an easy thing. That's a small heart thing. That's a hard small heart thing. And God can't pour and cascade his endless love, it says, into a hard, small little rock of a heart. And if we let our hearts grow cold and hard, and we shrink back from our responsibility to love, 
then we're really not following what God wants, and there's no way we're going to reach those sinners who God died for. He didn't die for uh, the perfect people because there aren't any. There never has been. We have to remember that. Paul, who wrote this, was a persecutor of the church. He just went about killing Christians and consenting to that. He was the one that held the coats as uh, Stephen was stoned to death. Paul, Paul was a hater of, of the followers of Christ. If anybody should have been, uh, you know, die, go to hell, they, if they hated anybody, it was Paul. He, he had, a, he had a, a reputation that he upheld by persecuting the church. Well, how about these people that are in our world? They're just like Saul, his name was, before God converted him and his name became Paul. They're just Paul's in the, in the making. God just needs someone with a big heart that's not going to get offended, put walls up, and join in the whole game of criticizing and persecuting and fighting back and all the rest of it. We have to become, we have to move into a big river of love that God wants to move through us. He wants us to go from a consumer mentality of love, I want everybody to love me, to a supplier uh, of love, to a river of giving when it comes to love. Are you with me on that? But to, have, to receive love, you have to first give love. Where, where I grew up on the island, Grosseal, we had a canal that fed, lead, led out to the Detroit River. And my dad worked for Ford Motor. He, uh, he watered. He had a good idea. He got a pump from the old firehouse there. Where they were selling all the obsolete equipment. He got a firehouse. And we would pump the water out of the canal and water all of our lawns. Pretty well free water. But in order to get that pump to work, you, it was an electric pump, but you had to prime the pump. There was a big container at the top. You had to pour water into that big container, big metal container, start the, the, the motor up, and then turn a, a valve, and the water would pour in. It would prime the pump, and pretty soon you could hear the thing go, you know, and pretty soon the, the big fire hose would would swell up and the water would come out the sprinklers. You had to prime the pump. And, and we have to prime the pump when it comes to this flow of, of God's love. We have to give. We have to start giving love to have love without limits. So how do, how do, we, how do we love without limits? Number one, again, let God expand your heart. Ask God, God, enlarge my heart. Make me bigger on the inside. Let my heart beat for lost people. Let, let me not get offended. Number two, don't treat love like like. Jesus, Jesus didn't say, go and like your neighbor. He said, love your neighbor. Well, what's the difference? Like is convenient. <laughs> I like you. How convenient. As long as you treat me well, as long as you like me, Put some likes on social media. If I post something, like is convenient. Like like is safe. Love love is dangerous. Love, there's no convenience in love at all. Love goes way out of its way. And there's no loves on, on social media. Imagine if they recreated the platform so that you had loves instead of likes, but you had to go after people that don't like you that don't love you. Imagine if the requirement was to go on there and every criticizer and every person that hates you to, you know, you could only go on their 
uh, social media sites and you had to put how much you love all of them. Like, imagine that. How popular would that be? Maybe there's a new platform ready to be invented so somebody could lose an awful lot of money on it. Uh, <laughs> imagine that. See, we can't do this without God. Like is possible without God. I can like all I want without God. Treat me well. Follow me. I like everything. But without God to truly love, that's a whole nother level now. We're going to go there. You're going to see how, how that is. To love without limits, what do we got to do? We have to love, we have to use the love that we already have. You have love. You've already been given love, just like faith. God poured love into your heart. So you have something to prime the pump of life and start loving at a, a greater capacity. But to have that, you've got to use what you've already got. The, the old saying about, you know, from the gym or whatever, use it or lose it. It's true when it comes to love. If you don't use what you have, you lose what you have. The more love, the more that you love, the greater your capacity to love. You get more by giving more. You get more by giving it away. You increase the supply by placing a demand uh, uh, to greater, love greater on the source. So most things in life, the supply de decreases as the demand increases. In other words, it runs out. Unless there's a continuous replenishing of the supply when you put a demand on whatever that is, and we're seeing that right now as the world order with uh, war going on in certain countries that were supplying wheat or whatever they were supplying, uh, we, we see that now that's, that supply's been cut off, people are still trying to put a big demand on that. Uh, here in Australia with the energy uh, crisis, if you want to call it that, there's, there's such a great demand for energy, but uh, there's a supply problem in some of the areas. There's supply chains when it comes to cars coming in because of COVID and supply in a lot of areas. If the demand is there, the supply will shrink. You can't place a, a demand on a shrinking supply and expect that to continue. It won't continue. With love, however, the way that you get a bigger supply uh, of love is you place a bigger demand on that love. God's supply of love is endless. It's unlimited. And for you to get more love flowing in your life, you need to take and put a demand on the supply that God has of his love, which, was, which is boundless too. Take the limits off of love. You have to use what you have and start to place the demand on his supply. Most things, it's like, you use it, you lose it. Take uh, losing weight, for instance. You have to use energy and quit using your fork if you're gonna if you're gonna lose weight, <laughs> because unless you've got unless you're an endless eater, and you, some people do, you know, they're just constantly eating junk all the time, all the time, all the time. So it's like they got an endless supply called their wallet, uh, <laughs> you know, their bank account. So they keep the supply going of food, but they keep the demand going with the fork. So the demand's going and the supply's going, they wonder why they don't lose any weight. Well, it's pretty simple. It's just basic economics. For, for us to, if you want to go to the gym, for instance, and uh, 
you want to you lose weight and you want to get fit, you got to use muscles. And the more you use them, then the bigger they get, the bigger their capacity. And that's just the way that that works. If you want to get out of debt, you got to quit using your credit card. <laughs> you got to put you got to quit putting a demand uh, on the limited supply called credit, <laughs> or, or the debt builds up. Then pretty soon you're just paying more off, and pretty soon you're way in debt, you're paying interest and all the rest of it. But see, with love, the more you use, the more you gain. That's incredible. The more you use it, like that muscle, it's going to get bigger, but lazy leads to little. If we get lazy with love, well, then love doesn't start to open up and pour out. We're a consumer, and God doesn't want a consumer. God wants a giver. He wants us to flow like a river. He wants us to pour out and start to become enlarged in our capacity to love other people. I want to go to Luke 6, and uh, this is an amazingly challenging passage of Scripture. We'll camp here, and then we'll close on this probably. Luke 6, 17 to 38. But I want to do something, and I want to go to verse 38 first. So Luke 6, 38 is used often when it comes to finance. I do believe it does apply. But in reality, primarily, he's talking about this kind of love that we're talking about this morning. Luke 6, 38 first. Give. Again, mainly talking about love. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap or your heart or your bosom, the old King James says. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That's the challenge. That's the answer. How do I get more love? That's the answer to the question this morning. How, how do I take the limits off of love? Give, and it will be given unto you. Now go back with me, and this makes sense. Go back to the beginning of this thought as Jesus uh, is talking. Verse 17 of Luke 6. He went down with them and stood on a level place, a large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, Jerusalem, the coastal regions around Tyre and Sidon. So get a picture, great crowd. Jesus on a level place is going to teach now, verse 18. All these people would come together to hear him to be healed of their diseases. Something's got to flow. You got one man, large crowd, multiple multitudes of diseases. Look at how this works. Those who were troubled by impure spirits were cured. And the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healed them all. Now that all is a lot of all, a lot of people. One person, big needs, but an unlimited supply source called the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, flowing like a river through Jesus. And the people, verse 19, tried to touch him because the power was coming out of him, healed them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, now this is like amazing teaching 
that people have tried to legislate, legalize, tried to make it a law or a bunch of rules. This is what you should be acting like. Well, you can't act like this. This is like the most difficult, it'd be the most difficult act in life if you could. And, you know, it gets hammered all the time, but without looking at verse 38, without looking at the supply-demand when it comes to love and how to get love flowing, how, how do I take the limits off of love? This is not really possible. So verse 20, looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor. <laughs> what? Poor means you're bankrupt in whatever area. You could be bankrupt, of course, physically. You could be bankrupt financially. You could be bankrupt emotionally. He says you're blessed. You are blessed when you're poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Oh, okay, God, I, I get it. When I die, I'm going to be beamed out of this terrible, wretched existence called poverty, and I'm going to step over and, and go past St. Peter, and hear a joke or two through the pearly gates. I'm going to go in there shouting and screaming, I'm rich, I'm blessed because I'm poor. No, he's talking about this lifetime. The kingdom of God isn't just the kingdom of heaven. It's God's domain. He didn't say the kingdom of heaven when you die, this is the way it works. No. He said, blessed are you. Blessed are you when you're poor. Yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you when you weep now, for you will laugh. When? Just in heaven? No. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you. Well, I don't feel blessed when that happens. Oh, friend, you've got the biggest opportunity to get a river of love flowing through your life from the endless supply called the Holy Spirit flowing from heaven to earth because God's throne is in your heart. Blessed are people, blessed are you when people hate you. They exclude and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. More and more of that is happening today than ever before. Rejoice in that day. Oh, I don't see anybody rejoicing about that. Did you hear the news? Do you see what they're doing now? I don't see anybody going, whoa! <laughs> Can you believe it? Well, that's the problem. Christ followers don't believe it. They take these words, put it down as some kind of behavioral science, try to change something, throw it away, discount it. This gets even more confronting because it's not possible. Unless the river is flowing, unless uh, the love is flowing through the Spirit, through the vine, into the branches, which is us, there's no fruit called love that's going to end up on the vine. Not this kind of love. There'll be some likes, but there won't be any love coming out on the vines of our life. Rejoice in that day. Reap, leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven for that is how the ancestors treated the prophets. Now, you do get a big reward there, for sure. But woe to you who are rich, you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well-fed now, you're going to go hungry. In other words, if you're just eating off the supply of the now, you're just going to use that up. Woe to you who laugh now, 
You'll mourn, you'll weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. That is how the ancestors treated the false prophets. But to you who are listening, I say. Now, I know this is in this life because there's no enemies when it, when it comes to heaven. He's talking about right now. This is what I'm telling you right now. Hard, hard, hard. Love <laughs> your enemies. Ah! Do good to those who hate you. Except politicians, the media. I don't know. Let's just get a list going. We get a group chat going. You, know, you can add to that list. Put some names in there. <laughs> Bless those who curse you. Nobody cursing you in heaven. It's only going to happen here in this lifetime. Bless Bless those who, who curse me. Pray for those who mistreat, who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt from them. This, this, this is so challenging that if Jesus didn't say it and command us to do it, I would just take and rip that page out, ignore it, and go right on to, I can do all things through Christ, who, you know, and, and God so loved me that he gave his only, yeah, baby. We read verse 38 first, because you can't do this stuff before verse 38, given it will be given, you're not going to be given, ha have love flowing like a river into your life until you start to give out of what God, or you have to pr prime the pump. You've got to take what he has given you for God so loved you. He gave you something. He forgave you. Take that love and start to use that, give that. Then all of a sudden, it starts to flow. When that happens, all of a sudden now, I can, I can bless those who curse me. I can bless those who hate, hate me. I can love my enemies. I, I can do things with people that mistreat me. If someone slaps me on the cheek, I'll turn the other one also. If I have love, someone takes your coat. Well, I didn't like that coat anyway, so they can have it. Do not withhold your shirt from them. This is like, give to everyone who asks you. <laughs> if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. I don't, does, does this confront anybody, or is it just me? Are you looking at that guy? No, I can't possibly really. It's metaphors. He's, he's, teaching, he's teaching a metaphor again. He's giving another. No, he's not giving a parable or a metaphor. He's, he's showing you his kind of the agape kind of love, the most courageous love that there is, that he has poured out into your big, enlarged heart. When you get out of, uh, of a hard little heart, it's, 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 it's love, not like. It's somebody that would dare to turn on the river that God wants to have. Give to everyone who asks you, if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is it that you, that, to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? If you only like the people that like your Facebook post, what good is that to you? 
What credit is that? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend, lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Ooh. Get him, God! He, I'll tell you, he's coming back soon. And there's fire in his eyes. There's a sword sticking out of his mouth. Well, he is. And there will be judgment. I'm not taking that away. No, you're right about that. But what about you right now? Are you the vengeance person? Are you the one that's going to take the sword? Cut all the people's heads off that God died for? And hate them all because they hate you? If you're doing that, you're not following him. Pure and simple. No punches pulled. I don't believe that the world has seen a church yet that truly loves the unlovable. I don't think it's happened. Not in a big way. Oh, there's been sparks and some things have happened for sure. And some people have operated this way in, in the spirit of God. And it's, and, it's, and it's been marvelous watching it whether that was racial injustice and people walk according to God and, uh, you know, civil rights movement originally with uh, Martin Luther King, a Baptist preacher who did turn the other cheek and he marched in a nonviolent way and saw something launched. But it wasn't long before the devil starts to take that over, hijack it and starts, let's just kill them all. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Do not judge. You'll not be judged. Do not condemn, you'll not be condemned. Forgive, you'll be forgiven. Verse 38, now we get to verse 38. Prime this pump. Use what you got or lose what you got. Use the, mus the love muscle, it gets bigger. Give, give what? All of this, forgiveness, your, your cloak, turning your other cheek, loving your enemies, all the stuff before this is what he says to give. Give, and it will be given to you. How? Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. You will be poured into your lap for the measure you use. It will be measured to you. Small measuring cup. Small uh, uh, supply coming back your way. Big measuring cup. Big expanded heart. Not replacing love with like, getting out of your economy, this world's economy, into God's big economy, and things starts to pour out into your life. And as you use more, you forgive more, you give more to people that don't deserve it. As it starts to flow, it starts to flow. It turns from a trickle to a stream, to a river, to a mighty torrent, to a cascading waterfall of, of love into the lives of people. That's a big challenge. I don't hear this preached very often, this whole thing, because, you know, verse 38 is preached very frequently around offering time. Uh, what about the rest of it? How big does God want his fruit of the Spirit, primarily number uno, one, the foundation of all the other fruit, love? How big does he want it to be on the branches called his church? 
I think, amazingly big. I think this fruit should be so big that the branches are just like, I don't know if we can hold any more of this. And so many people coming to eat of that fruit because this is different. And, and so many people looking at our lives and going, man, I, I don't know how. I've never seen anything like this. Not coming in and going, man, your light show is great. The speakers are amazing. You got bass bins and, you know, how entertaining was the preacher. I laughed a lot. Like, uh, you know, church is amazing. No, the church is amazing when the people get out of the building and start to love unlovely, ungodly, uh, lying people that hate them. That's when the church is amazing. Oh, I went to church today. Where did you go? Church. I went into that office where those haters are, where they mock me. What did you get up to on the weekend? I went to church. <laughs> Whole mouthful of abuse. How did you respond? <laughs> Luke 6 or the flesh? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, you know, long-suffering, patience, all, all, we're going to get to those. I wonder this morning if we could stand because we're out of time and I want to do communion. I do have a second half to this message, but whether we'll go there or on to joy or not, I don't know yet to pray about it. Thanks, worship team. We're going to have communion here at City Church. If you're watching online, you can take um, some bread out and some juice or wine, whatever you prefer. And what that represents is his blood. It's a statement of love that he died for the sinners, all the people that missed the mark, which is all the people, and his body, which was broken. The ultimate act of love is why we get get together and celebrate and worship him because he did something so amazing that even a whole lifetime of following him, I'm still amazed and I haven't fathomed yet even to any depth really. And I love that. For all of us that are here, you may not have asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart. He just wants you to turn from doing it your way wants you to turn to him and firstly by faith receive that love and then when you do you've been given something now start to give it away and that's what it means to make him lord of your life as you out of obedience start to give away the love that he's put into your heart and like i preached as you do that it turns from a trickle into a torrent and the world hasn't seen yet the champions that this world is going to see in love. We've seen some mighty love warriors, forgiven people that put them in concentration camps and slavery and, and all through scriptures, there's some real heroes, not just heroes of faith, but I, heroes of love. If there was a heroes of love chapter in book of Hebrews, it would be awesome. You kind of got to go through and look at it, but I believe this church right now and anybody watching online, you want to be a hero? 
You want to be a superhero? Don't look at Marvel or DC. Look, look at JC. And watch what he does with your life. So I want us to bow our heads right now. And I'd like for you to have an opportunity to ask Jesus into your heart. Just before I do that, though, and then we're going to take communion. I'd like to ask you a question. Who in your life are you struggling with? Because they did something bad to you, perhaps. They let you down. It could be a relative, a spouse, an ex-spouse, brother, sister, somebody at work, somebody at school. You know, you're just struggling. I wonder right now if you would have it in your heart through the love he's given to you to forgive them let that go and even to go further to think how, how can I bless them somehow God will show you the how but do not leave unforgiveness and take communion with bitterness in your heart if you're not willing to exercise love towards people I wonder if you could see them as somebody God loves unconditionally therefore I have no choice I won't choose not to love them. So let me pray. And you pray this prayer after me if you'd want to. Say, dear God, I ask your son Jesus to come into my heart. Jesus, I repent of times where I haven't loved. Give me the strength. Show me how to love who to love. Expand my heart. Out of obedience, I use the love you've given me. I make you the Lord of my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.